0: You are on Saturday Magazine with Maka and Nevena. We've got our last guest in the studio today. We're speaking with Zach Cooper, researcher and lecturer of the Amsterdam Law and Technology Institute to discuss AI-powered disinformation and the transformative impact of algorithms. Mm -hmm. So, Zach, most people are familiar with AI and
1: algorithms,
0: but can you just explain how frequently most of us interact with this technology when we're online with our smartphones?
1: Yeah so probably people are thinking AI is maybe I don't know ChatGPT or whatever they've heard from the radio is some yeah. flashy new exciting thing but actually AI is being used in pretty much everything so if you go on Duolingo to you know learn a new language that's also AI uh Pretty much every app now that you're doing is is taking your data. Well, not every app, but most apps now are using very sophisticated algorithms to take your data, learn about you, and then try to use that to either change your experience of the internet or your experience of the algorithms or the softwares that you use, uh, or to just change the softwares themselves based on what they're learning about you. Uh, And also, AI is now just being rolled out all over the shop, uh, public infrastructure, private infrastructure. uh, When you get an Uber, that's going to be using AI, everything, really. So
2: when we the impact that it has on our lives and the information that it uses um, to help us, direct us, encourage mm-hmm. us, whatever, mm-hmm. do you have <laughs> it's a bit of a bit of a bouncy question here? But do you have any faith in the ability of uh, politicians mm-hmm. to legislate to control AI? when perhaps the information themselves, that they themselves are getting is influenced by it. And also that, you know, obviously some of them have an interest in encouraging companies that are utilising AI or the other way around.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess you could talk about corporate influence in, in regulation of anything mm. is always going to be any kind of lobbying. The big thing about regulating AI is... Well, like I said, once it's rolled out within everything, it sort of becomes this regulation of everything thing. So how do you determine... So, for example, I mean, most of the world is f- super far behind in terms of regulating, as far as I know it. I've only just jumped off the plane in Australia, but I did a bit of looking up where we're at. And Australia's done very little regulating of AI up until now. The EU was by far at the, you know, at the yes. vanguard of this, and they've only just come up with their AI Act. They've agreed on the wording this week. But even that, I mean, it has to be so broad in its kind of application, because what are you really regulating here? It's a host of different issues. You've got privacy issues. You've got disinformation issues. You've got intellectual property issues. Uh, it kind of, every individual piece of law sort of becomes AI law. Of course, yeah. So, and then on top of that, the actual technology and how it works is fundamentally, well, not all of it, but a lot of it is black box technology, which is to say that we feed it a bunch of information. It does its little magic that we don't fully understand. And then it spits something out. So- I mean, my work as an AI scholar is to know an enormous amount about it. And I still find it, it's ex- like, you know, my brain is breaking half the time trying to work it out. I'm sitting with these computer scientists trying to make sense of it because I'm a you know legal scholar by background. So how can a politician, I mean, how are they going to be able to regulate it? When, yeah. And this is a general thing. And this is a democratic question. How can the people have any interaction with a technology that... Fundamentally, you have to be so educated, specifically educated to understand in the first place, how can we interact with that? So
0: there is the complication there in legislating. What are we legislating? What is the context? Now, let's take that a little bit further and discuss AI-powered disinformation. To begin with, what is it? How is it affecting people? And can you discuss it in the ongoing war with Palestine and Israel? Cool.
1: Okay, it's a bunch of big questions, <laughs> and I know we're uh,
0: we've got about six minutes. We've so got about six alive. minutes.
1: All right, let's bang through them. Uh, okay, AI powered disinformation. So there's a couple of different versions of AI powered disinformation. On the first hand, you have just something like ChatGPT which is where, you know, people will go to ChatGPT and try to use it like a a Google search or something like that, right? But that's not really what the software is. The software is a word prediction model. All it's doing is you're putting in a bunch of words, you're giving it a question, and then it's going, based on the question you've given me, what are the most likely words to sit next to each other? There's no fact-checking element of it currently, though they're trying to develop that. So it's not searching the internet for facts. So what that means is it'll spit out an answer that sounds correct. It'll sound like... All the words will sit next to each other, but they're not necessarily the truth. So what that creates is now you can just automate. If you want to go, I don't know, I need a 12-day itinerary in Bologna. You can go to ChatGPT, I'm just going to spit that out. Or, oh, I want the complete history of Napoleon, it'll spit that out. But it won't be true. It'll just be a bunch of words. Maybe it'll be 80% true, maybe not. It'll just be a bunch of words about Napoleon. So now anyone that's a content creator on the internet rather than have to sit there and look things up and work things out, they can just get this machine to just spit out things that all sound true but aren't necessarily true. So the first fear is that the internet is just going to fill with kind of extremely legitimate looking but fundamentally not actually true junk. Doesn't
2: sound any different
1: to now. Well, (laughs) at a scale scale that you can't even, you know, where suddenly it could just blow out like a balloon, right? The problem is you have this kind of human centipede effect where because ChatGPT in the first place is learning from the internet, once it's spewing Mm. stuff out, right now it's all built off things that humans have said, but once it starts spewing things out, it's learning from itself. Mm. So it creates this kind of junk information feedback loop where suddenly it's just learning from itself. That's the first type of disinformation. The second type of disinformation is just now with AI, we could, okay. So, I mean, you guys are on the radio all the time. You only need, I think, half an hour for professional services to get like high quality voice cloning. So yes. it will be super easy for me to make a fake... You Maka. know, Maka and Nevena uh, episode <laughs> where it's just you two spouting. So you want to talk about in the context of Israel, you know, Palestine, I could just easily make up half an hour of, you know, Nev, you're just running hard genocidal rhetoric. Mac is running hard genocidal rhetoric. Yeah, You're just, just an anti-Semitic run by Nevena, followed by uh, a deeply Islamophobic run by Macca bang that out, send that out to the rest of the world, and it would sound exactly like you. Yeah. <laughs> some, some of our listeners might think you've been listening. <laughs> 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 but they're wrong. Now, let's tie this into an algorithmic environment. Sorry if I'm speaking fast. because no, I'm keep like, going, no, no. no, keep going. Ties into an algorithmic environment where the algorithms are fundamentally built off the notion of trying to sow discord, where the best thing for any of these companies, Instagram, TikTok, anything, is for everyone to disagree with each other. And if I had more time, I could give you the whole history of the Facebook algorithm and how it basically learned to get people to disagree and that that was the best way to get meaningful engagement. Uh, from Facebook, right? In the early days, it was trying to do clickbait. you remember the yeah. uh, f- uh, number seven will shock you, but then it realized that sucked because people were all just going to other websites. You know, people were <laughs> clicking their way out. Then it moved to a different model. And then after a while, it got to this thing called meaningful interactions, which was basically just people uh, getting angry and arguing at mm. each other, which created... Uh, basically a a, a huge fake news environment because the other thing is that we know that things that are false spread way faster. Some studies say six times faster than things that are true, right? So the whole algorithmic environment fundamentally wants disinformation and this was before we had tools that made it really easy to create very shockingly real things that are false. So you put those two things together and you now have two different echo chambers, well, way more, uh, each fundamentally like, self-fulfilling themselves, building themselves up with increasingly radical information, neither of which is fact-checked or verified, and which both of them can now accuse the other side of being false while essentially believing that their one is true. And so what you have is just profound social discord where everyone is just sitting all day looking at stuff and just thinking, you would have to be some kind of monster to believe the opposite, because look at this increasingly mm. severe thing that I'm looking at, but both sides are doing that. By the time they even talk to each other, I mean, they're both living in two completely separately constructed realities. They both think the other side would have to be literally evil, literally monstrous to believe anything they believe, uh, and we find ourselves in the position we are now, where you have just profound social discord. So, Zach, where do we, w- with, with all of this,
2: <laughs> with all of this, if yeah. I want to know something and i want it to be factual yes and i want it to be evidence-based all those you know lots of fake evidence mm-hmm. where do i go what do i just give up
1: <laughs> well i mean so that's where we reach this really difficult question mm. of like trust structures of how do we trust anything anymore and how do we create a world where we know what we can trust now that videos can be really easily manipulated audio can be really easily manipulated and it's really easy for someone to create fake things that look real. So, you know, I could just come up with a bunch of stuff that's completely untrue, make a fake website that looks like a real journalist yep. website and then send it to Nevener and go, see, huh, neverna I told you that yeah. this is true. And she'll go, oh, look at this website. So it depends who you trust. But then you also have generational problems because, you know, older people will tend to turn to the mainstream media. They'll go, the New York Times, that's something I can trust. Younger people don't trust the New York Times. They'll trust a, a TikTok. They'll trust like people on TikTok <laughs> yeah. more than they'll trust the New York Times. So you also just have fractured versions of, well, what is the thing that I turn to? Uh, I don't know. We need to somehow build up some sort of trust structures. Then we have all these people pitching disinformation laws, laws about how to uh, stop disinformation and a lot of that puts that on so some people are going "Oh, the platforms should have an obligation not to spread things that are not true but then that's really problematic as well because then the platforms what facebook meta, <laughs> meta tiktok become the arbiters of truth like are these really this these, like, kind of corporate truth you know and and so then the question becomes well do i trust government some people will go well i would trust the government not the corporations other people have profound distrust of government they will trust corporations over government uh we so left to you and me. We can sort it. <laughs> I guess you need independent fact-checking <laughs> organisations that are neither state or corporate. Oh, you have right. been on a long flight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, I yeah. guess. But mostly I think we just need sceptics. First of all, we're all going to have to learn not to believe everything that we see or read, mm. yeah. and we're going to learn that the hard way. But this is going to be the really grim moment where the technology first shows up and we're not used to – we're going to have to retrain our brains to just not believe what we see. And it actually
2: which- makes you wonder, you know, sometimes, you know, we get emails, you know, a lot from, you know, people and organisations that want to come on the show and you look at it and you go, oh yeah, and then you have a closer look and you go, oh no, no, I think that's that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you do some more fact checking, you think, oh yeah, look, it's it, it's partially correct, but the challenge for us doing this and doing live radio is how do you know that the people you're speaking to are genuine because it's such – it's sophisticated to, you know, and the whole thought of, you know, you creating a uh, –
0: <laughs> The racist maca show. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, uh, but I know it's real. So, you know, for us as journalists, let alone, you know, for, you know, the people out there that just want to know a little bit of what's going on in the world,
1: it's, a, it's, it's really difficult. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a massive, brand new, like societal mm. question that we need to all be banding together to work out how do we develop trust structures by which we can understand what we trust.
2: Like we've got our newsreader who's come into the studio and he's, you know, he's been using a couple of news sites, you know, to get news items.
0: And there's new standards that he has to abide by this yep. legislation. There's regulation.
2: It's, uh, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Especially <laughs> now, yeah. A, 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 a real nightmare. Um, so if you were a bit, bit, bit us centered, if you were us, mm-hmm. what would you do? You're going to, you're a broadcaster and you're going to, you know, how do you verify information or the direct, you know, the direction of the questions you're going to take? What do you do? What I, would you do?
1: I would just, I mean, I just think that it's probably, I mean, maybe this is an academic bias because I am an academic, but I think that there needs to be a bigger relationship with like academia. Cause I think that mm. academia still has relatively rigorous standards by which it is meant to uphold yeah. the truth in a way that journalism, journalism also has standards by which it has to uphold the truth. But uh, you also have opinion pieces and now the journalism is, you're going to be able to just like mass produce journalism. Yeah. Uh, I just think that there needs to be a better probably relationship with like scholarship in general mm-hmm. and to be turning yeah. to just checking who are experts in things, yeah. you know? But it's all going to be structure-based.
0: Professor Cooper, I'm very sorry that we are out of time. The one thing that holds true is the clock in this studio. Oh, no, we don't know that. <laughs> no, it is, know that. it is digital. It is digital after we all. No, we don't know that. Thank you so much for joining us on Saturday Magazine. Thank
2: you so much for having me. And and hope you recover from your trip. Uh, when do the the airlines use artificial intelligence, but they call it a call centre? Hmm. <laughs> oh, don't answer that. Don't answer that. We'll <laughs> be so, back soon. Take, thanks so much. This is Saturday Magazine. Melbourne's gay and inclusive rugby club, The Chargers, is recruiting. They welcome everyone from experienced players right through to complete beginners to play casual or competitive rugby in a safe and inclusive environment. If you're looking to get fit, try something new or make some new friends, then rugby might be for you. Everyone is welcome at The Chargers, regardless of age, sexuality or fitness level. For more information, visit Melbournecharges.org. That's Melbournecharges.org, A Joy Community Service message.
0: There's something seriously empowering about getting involved in community radio. Believe me. So why not sign up for Joy's next radio training course and hone the skills needed to bring your personality to the airwaves. Enrolments are now open for the next radio training course with Joy's most talented broadcasters ready to teach you everything they know. To enrol or find out more info, head to joy.org.au slash services. A Joy community service message. This is Joy. You are on Saturday Magazine with Nevena and Macca. We're wrapping up the show now and a big thank you to everyone who texted, everyone who listened and all of our guests, Macca.
2: Yes, Associate. Professor ah, James McMahon, Associate Professor in ASPRO, we're told. Uh, Lawrence Gibbons from Star Observer. Alexander Tay from the Australian GLBTQI Plus Multicultural Council. Cam Wilson, Associate Editor of Crikey. Nasser Mashni from the Australia-Palestine Advocacy Network. Julian Nakirma, uh winner of the twenty twenty three Human Rights Medal in Australia. And Professor Zach, Koomer, who, Zach, Koomer, Zach Cooper, who's looking a bit jet lagged. But <laughs> that's just his But face that's smack. just artificial intelligence, not actually him.
0: <laughs> and who's going to be on Word for Word this week? I forget. Paul?
2: Kathy Mansfield.
0: <laughs> and we can't- Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.